podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. It's a Wednesday afternoon and I am delighted, genuinely, to be joined by Patrick McGill and John Hughes. Loads to discuss, gentlemen. But I'm going to ask you one word from each of you. Describe in one word, Patrick McGill, Celtic's transfer window thus far. <laughs> God, uh, that's a tough one. <clears throat> it's a um, tough one to keep it clean, isn't it? Uh, unfinished, I'll go for. I think that's oh, me being yes. hopeful there. Unfinished. That, that's, there's a wee positive twist to that, John. Do you want to add to that? Have you got a one, one word uh, pre-watershed that you can use to describe this? Expected. Expected, yes. Mm-hmm. We've come to expect the slow, laborious movements of the sloth, which is the Celtic board. <laughs> i tell you what, that, that really it was so inevitable was that story that just broke in the last hour or so in relation to Matt O'Reilly. John, at first we heard that Girona were interested. We discussed that interest. People kept reminding us they're not a big spending club. They're never going to meet our valuation, etc. But it was inevitable that someone else within that league, uh, there was talk of a La Liga side being interested. Atletico Madrid have joined the race and apparently have made a formal bid for Matt O'Reilly. What do you make of all that chat? Just deeply, deeply concerning. Um, I mean, Atletico are a big club. Uh, let's be honest, they, they are a big outfit, exactly the kind of club that Matt O'Reilly wants to get himself off to at some point. Um, however, there's a number of things in our favour. So he's literally only just signed a new deal. He's quite happy where he is. He'll be interested in that deal. But I mean, again, the club, you're looking at a, a loan with uh, an option to buy, which is Patrick's just pointed out as we were chatting there, must be something to do with the FFP regulations. Um, just stealing your thunder there, Patrick, because that was something intelligent you said. I was so, going to do it if you didn't, John. That's my one point of intelligence you stole it from. <laughs> but, um, the, so, I mean, it's a massive uh, you know, deal for us, but the, in terms of a loan deal uh, with an option to buy is of no interest to us at all. We have a league to win. Uh, and even if we got £30 million for him, how much are the board going to spend on a replacement? Where are we going to find a replacement for He is instrumental. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of a goal that he hasn't set up recently. You know, it is, it is, he's absolutely instrumental in everything going through that midfield. He is, you know, our most influential player by a country mile um, in terms of creativity. So the notion that we would even uh, contemplate, I mean, I, I couldn't give a monkey's what bid they've offered. I wouldn't care if they'd offered 50 million. I would still say no, because you're gambling on the season, mm-hmm. you know, the whole season. So instead of getting three or four players in, as Brendan has asked for, what we're going to sell our best player in this window uh, and replace them with what exactly? What are we going to replace him with? Someone as good as Matt O'Reilly, you can be 100% sure that wouldn't be the case. No. no. So, you know, rather than coming in out of the window stronger, we'd come out significantly weaker with a league on the line, with our opposition apparently strengthening, although 
you know, you never know where their stories are concerned because it always seems to be made up. Um, but, you know, it does seem as if they're still trying some. So, look, I mean, it's, it's worrying just because our board is who the board is. But uh, as you said, kick out of the long grass. I don't think the long grass is far enough. You know, if there was long grass on Mars, that's how far you should be kicking it. You know, that's, you know, just not even to be contemplated at this point for me. No. And and you know what, John? I don't think there's anybody in the comments section who would disagree. Let us know your thoughts on this. There's an air of inevitability about it, Patrick. We knew that the big clubs would be circling like vultures. Um, there has been some talk around Matt O'Reilly, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Leela Bada. We'll talk about all three of them. Um, but, you know, what? as John said, we're going for this title. Every title is important, but... There is a different hue to this one when you look at the Champions League riches, not just for Celtic. I mean, we are a wealthy club. This is, again, another frustration that um, it's not about just uh, emptying your bank account. But let's let's be realistic and say, well, if you're going to add quality, um, that comes at a price. We don't seem prepared to, to pay that price. And then at the end of this season, if we don't and someone else does, i.e. our main title challengers, Rangers, wins the league and, and taps into this bounty, then everything changes, Patrick. It's you know you're looking at Celtic winning the league this season, um, and then you are setting yourself up technically for the next decade when it comes to financial dominance of Scottish football. Um, whatever Rangers throw at it, you know they're going to get the crumbs from the table at the end of the season if they don't win the league. Yet our top players, our star players, are being linked with other clubs. We're getting bids from other clubs, and I don't feel. 100% confident as a Celtic fan that the board see it the way we do, Patrick? No, oh, because um, it, it really is um, it's, it's in the balance, you know, that's the best way to describe it because if they win their games in hands, they'll be favourites to do so we'll only be two points ahead you've still got, I think, 16 games to play um, we've obviously struggled, you know, heading into the winter break, finished well playing good football the last three or four games Um Obviously done well against Bucky Thistle, but they were a sort of obviously a much smaller team. Um, but I mean, you, you just can't be selling your key players this window. I mean, you get to the summer, you can reassess. You know, you've got two months to sort of reorganise. You've got the Champions League money, hopefully, and you can. It's it's an easier window if you want to call it that. But you know, we needed two first team players net, not just two players needed them net to add to this existing squad. So the the concept of getting rid of one or maybe even two players in O'Reilly and Abada and then having to bring in three or four within the next six, seven days, I mean, it's just, it's not possible. You're not getting players of quality in that time. There's just no way. Um, John makes a good point as well. You know, even if they're offering money, you're then trusting Mark Lawwell to go and sign a quality centre midfielder in, in the space of seven days and I mean, more money helps, but it, it's a massive, massive gamble that we cannot afford to take because if we sell him, we risk losing the league and the league, as we know, is worth in excess of £50 million this season with the new Champions League format. So, you know, you might cost yourself a couple of million by not selling him right now and waiting until the summer, but if you win the league and then sell him, you're getting more money overall. You just need to keep a hold of your players for the next eight days bring in a few more bodies and give yourself the, the best possible chance because, you know, we can all see how important this is, apart from the guys who are responsible for signing the players. Um, 
you know, you can understand how bad a situation with everything that's going on the last four months, but just keep the squad together for the second half of this season, win the league, and then, you know, hopefully we've got a recruitment in order by then and we can rebuild the squad properly, like we should have done in the summer, but we made an absolute pig's ear of it. Um, so, I we, we, we can't be affording to sell any players at this stage. No, you're right. And uh, loads of great comments coming in. I'm really keen to get your thoughts on all things Celtic, interest in some of our top, top players. And I think if there was a poll right now as to who is the key player at Celtic Football Club, Matt O'Reilly would be on top of the list. And that is unthinkable. I've used that word a few times. Unthinkable that Matt would leave in this window. Um, Jungle Lion, you're coming in on the YouTube channel to say the board has to stay strong. Yes, this is the thing, John. You, you want that to happen. Everybody in the comments wants it to happen. But there is just this niggling doubt in your mind, isn't it? Or is it even bigger than a niggling doubt? It's like they just can't help themselves at times. We don't need the money. The player's on a long-term contract. He's not going to decrease in value between now and the end of the season. What would be the point in putting everything at risk by selling Matt Riley? I'm going to ask you straight out, John. Do you honestly think the board are that daft? Yes. Uh, no, I mean, there's no question in my mind that they're that daft. Um, they will just think that Brendan's got enough resources there and he should just crack on, get it done. Sure isn't Bernardo playing well um, and, you know, didn't home turn up and play the other day and Awata's coming back from injury. Um, yeah, I, mean, I see a comment there about uh, release clauses and contracts as well. Uh, I've... Never heard of one of our players having a release clause. So unless it's for like a hundred million quid, which will never be triggered, uh, I, I've never heard of such a thing. If someone wants to tell me that's different, I think that's very unusual in Scottish contracts because uh, yeah. we, we're not usually in line for bids. Uh, it's just not something I've ever heard of in a contract from a player in this league. Um, if someone wants to correct me on that, I'm happy to be corrected, but I just don't see it. I doubt very much he's got a release contract, that a release clause. Um, and a specific number. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, will they, could they possibly do it? Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we know that the, 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 the board have done over a period of decades at this point. Um, you know, the bad decisions they've made when there was a plethora of good decisions that could have been made. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you don't, you don't want to slaughter the board as a, as a group, but at the end of the day, um, it's not really a big group because it really only is uh, Michael Nicholson who's essentially, you know, taking instruction uh, really from Peter Lowell uh, and um, you know, Mark Lowell's not even on the board so it's not really anything to do with him apart from the fact we'd be expecting him as you both pointed out to sign world-class players in, inside six days uh, and we haven't, yeah, I, don't, I mean we, we can't even get half-decent players in months, in absolutely months. So, no, there's no question in my mind he wouldn't be replaced either. So, yeah, no, it would be, for me, catastrophic. But you asked me the question, would the board do it? And I don't think there's any doubt they would. This is a concern, and I want to hear everybody's comments on this because I do think they come from a school of thought, Patrick, that you've got a player in Matt O'Reilly 
and you know we signed them for a small fee um, and we're going to make something bizarre in terms of the percentage of profit on that fee if we were to sell them. So they see that as good business. They then say, we've got this kid called Bernardo that's in on loan and you know he's coming along a treat and we'll be able to turn that. So they actually see this as progress, almost as part of the strategy. Whereas football fans, we're looking at the situation that we're in at the moment. It's been an up and down, topsy-turvy style season in terms of the form. Uh, but it looks as though we're starting to get a bit of momentum. And I don't mean Bucky. This I'm talking the last five games. It looks as though we're getting into a flow. We're getting into a momentum. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has squeezed as much, I think, as he can out of that transfer window in the summer for players that maybe didn't have his uh, fingerprints on it. But he seems to have got a few good players that he can use and utilise right now, maybe two or three. Um, and then there's a few others that might come into the equation in, in the future. Bernardo Navroski. Louis Palmer are guys that I would expect to appear in the second half of this season. So Rogers has decided they're good enough quality. The rest of them might go out and loan or might not be in his plans. But to lose the the, the keystone in that that kind of turnaround in the form, you look at his twenty nine games this season, ten goals, twelve assists from midfield, twenty two and twenty nine for a midfield player. You remove that out of the team, and we're not going to replace it. As John says, we're not even able to bolster the current situation, never mind replace one of the star men. Um, I asked John if they were daft enough to do it. There's a few comments saying maybe not daft enough, but greedy enough. Patrick, it's unthinkable, right? It's not going to happen, is it? You would hope not. You would hope not. Not for a loan anyway. <clears throat> you know, I think I think the thinking seems to be that Bernardo's going to be the replacement come the summer. And maybe if they got a bit greedy and Atletico offered them the money now, Think I think they might consider it if that was to happen. Um, I don't think we'll for a loan. You know, even to to even give the board some credit. You know, you've they they like the cash up front. I mean, you've seen that with the Tierney transfer saga a few years ago. Um, they, they've got a price in their head and they're going to stick to that. Um, to get rid of him now. I mean, Bernardo's been playing well for what four or five games. I mean, he's been in and out the squad throughout the season, played in Europe and stuff, but. I mean, it's only really the four, the last four games that he's, he's really kicked on. And, you know, I, I I just don't think that he's definitely the replacement yet. I mean, you're not going to replace uh, those sorts of numbers for O'Reilly because it is a, it's a, just a wonderful season he's been having. It's like trying to replace Jota. You're just not going to be able to do it. But um, to, to try and replace that in the midfield, um, you know, the next four or five months will tell if Bernardo's that player. But... Uh, Surely they wouldn't be daft enough to sell him now. I mean, you know, as as we're all just sitting here discussing, he's going to go for a record fee. I think Fabrizio Romano said that in late October, early November. Mm-hmm. Um, so 25, 30 million, that's brilliant. But you've only got the seven days to replace him. And you, you need to factor that into the equation. And it, it just can't be allowed to happen. I, do, I just say, Paul, sorry, uh, because I'm looking at comments here. Uh, just to clarify, the story is loan with an obligation to buy. Yeah, it's not just a loan um, from you know to the end of the season or anything. Loan with an obligation to buy, and that's why we're saying it'll be to do with financial fair play because they want to kick it into a different financial year. Or, you know, kick it down the road uh, to that extent. Don't know what the fee is. It's been talked about though. Um, I- I'd like to know what that is first before uh, you know we make a decision on what the board might do. Because you know, I I don't think for 25, 30 million they would consider it. 
Um, but if, if it's if it's serious, if it's big numbers more than that, I don't think there's any doubt they would they would look at it. No, and it's this big uh, momentum swing again. You come out of this transfer window. Yes, it's been disappointing. Um, John said it was expected. Um, some might use one word uh, saying it was, it's been brutal so far. Underwhelming, I've seen coming up in the comment section. Um, but then to add insult to injury, it would just be, you know, one of our standmen leaving. So it can't, it simply cannot happen the way that um, I'm looking at it this season. We need to keep as much strength and, and power as we possibly can. We've got a few players coming back from injury who haven't really featured in the first half of the season and guys like Abada and Atati. You know, the old cliche, they're going to be like new signings, all that kind of stuff's going to get uh, rolled out. We'll get Vata on a long-term deal on the last day, will be unveiled like a new signing. And it's going to be that kind of transfer window. That's the way it's going at the moment. Giggsy, the poet, a.k.a. the, the poet formerly known as Kevin Graham, is coming in on the comments. In the world of the boards that we have, um, interesting, CCV, Abada and MOR shows that the recruitment is working yeah, that's what was meaning. I mean, the fact that we've brought players in at a price and they're, they're uh, gaining interest at bigger prices, which equals profit. Um, in their mind, they think that the strategy is working. Uh, we've also got Stephen Loudon coming in. Um, if Matt wants to go sell him now and get proper replacements in Pronto, that's the problem. There's no chance. There is no chance. And I think Jota has been, is a, is a perfect example to use, Patrick, right? The, the loss of Jota has been a massive uh, reason for the first half of our season and uh, and the way that it's taken us so long to get a tune out of Kyogo, for example. Um, you lose, you know, Jota on one side, you lose the goal contribution, both assists and goal, goal scored from Abada, for example, through injury. And you lose that from both your wingers. And it's massive. It's huge. And that's a huge reason why Kyogo's not been as prolific it's a huge reason why we've not been as dangerous and as high tempo uh, when going forward and aggressive in our play. That shows you what can happen if you lose one of your star men. And the same impact could happen in the second half of the season. So, it, you know, even if you were to get an unbelievable offer, it's not worth it because there's no chance we're going to replace Matt O'Reilly and the impact that Matt O'Reilly has made this season. Um, if, you, if you want to talk about genuinely stupid stories... Uh, a bad on loan, yeah. just a loan, <laughs> no obligation for anything, Let's not even an option that. to buy, just a loan. Yep, and now but, this is a story that's been rumbling on for a few weeks now, John. And you know, you give credence, you are able to ignore a lot of the nonsense you see appearing um, in news stories, particularly in this day and age where it's all about the clickbait. But then you, you give credence to certain sources, like the source today. Um, it's Anthony Joseph, isn't it, uh, on the Matt O'Reilly story. The the source for the Leela Bada story is Stephen McGowan. And these two guys are credible. They've come up with the goods before. When they write, you tend to listen, um, if that makes sense. Aye. No. We'll, we'll, we'll run with it. We'll run with it anyway, John. There's a lot of things not making sense today. <laughs> Leela Bada, again, you know, what I was looking at this morning was... Um, get him out on loan to get him out of the situation for a spell, then he can come back. Nonsense, Patrick. Nonsense. The situation has been the same for decades. Celtic's state of mind in terms of the fan base politically isn't going to change. He's going to walk back into the same situation. I don't buy it in, in the slightest. What, what teams are we talking? West Brom, Southampton are interested in him. There's interest from the uh, League One in France, from the Bundesliga, what do you make of the Lila Bada 
situation, Patrick? They're much the same as O'Reilly, really. I mean, but we're in such a crucial point. Just from a Celtic point of view, I mean, you can take a badass point of view, but, you know, we're all Celtic fans. We're looking at this from a Celtic uh, point of view, a Celtic state of mind, if you will. Um, you know, you need to think about it doesn't benefit us in the slightest. Is the is, the idea is going to be he's going to come back in what five six months and suddenly, you know, Israel and Palace are going to be best pals and the Green Brigade aren't going to talk about it. I mean, that's just nonsense. Uh, from a Celtic point of view, if he's going to leave, he's going to have to leave for money, and you know he's not played a massive part in the season. In fairness, this isn't a reason to sell him by any stretch, but I think he went off injured against Rangers at Ibrox, and his first game back was. Uh, the week before he played Rangers at Parkhead. So he's not played a massive amount of football. So if you get money from it's actually not the worst deal in the world. Um, but loans, I just wouldn't be entertaining at all. Um, I think that's just another, you know, club's chance in their arm, whether it's FFP or whether they're, they're seeing an opportunity there with the sort of Israel-Palestine thing. But I, I wouldn't be going for that at all. Um, you know, I, I hope he sort of kicks on. I hope he eventually moves on for a big fee. Um, but if he wants to leave, I mean, he's not screaming and shouting. That's one thing. Um, I think this has been, I don't know, misrepresented in, in certain parts of the media and, you know, the Israeli manager and stuff. Abad has never actually come out and said he's unhappy or wants to leave or complained in any way about the fans. Um, so there's no pressure on us to sell him. We can still command a high fee. Um, we're in no rush to get rid of the guy. So maybe we've promised him a move at some point this season, whether it be January or the end of the season, but um, there's no sort of external pressure that we have to take a low bid. So, you know, as long as we replace him, get some money in, uh, I've got no problems with him leaving, but it, it can't be for a loan, and I wouldn't really like it to be this window either. Someone, no. someone is feeding that narrative, though. Yeah, that's coming. That's Definitely. coming from something. That's coming from somewhere within the club. Of that, there is no doubt. Um, because Stephen uh, McGowan's talking about it. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, so. Essentially, you know, I, I, you know, again, you don't want to be too harsh, but I mean, as I said last week, the whole thing about the reasons for him going to me is just nonsense. It's, it boils down to just suck up, buttercup. You know, I mean, that's that's really it. Because, you know, as I said last week, how how, how many of our you know English and foreign first team are, you think are big supporters of Irish Republicans and uh, Irish Republicanism and the armed conflict? You think they're all about their are? You know, uh, uh, how, ma how many Catholic players uh, playing for Rangers? You know, how, how do you square that circle? Do you think they're loving their fans every minute of every game? You know, you're there to do a job. I said it last week, you're there to do a job. You've just got to do the job. You're not always going to agree with, you know. if It doesn't matter if you go to, you know, Man United. or It doesn't matter where you go. The crowd, the crowd anywhere you go with that number of people is going to have murderers and rapists and, you know, all sorts of vile human beings in it. What, you think you're going to agree with them all? You know, it's, it's just absolute madness to, to think that that's the case. You, you pick your club based on who gives you the best opportunity to achieve what you want to achieve in the football, not what fan groups you like or don't like. You know, are, are they providing you the opportunity to win silverware, to progress yourself, to get your career where you want to get it? Um, and if it's not that, then you're delusional if you think you're just going to move until you find a bunch of cuddly fans, uh, who you, all of whose politics you agree with, because it's not personal. As we also said last week, the reason Abada probably hasn't complained is because no one's, no one's given Abada a hard time. He hasn't had any personal abuse. 
you know, at all. If anything, the, 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 the fans are right behind him, as was demonstrated when he came on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're supporting the boy because they know it might be a difficult emotional time for him. You know, but, you're, you know, that that's not... You don't uh, you don't make professional moves based on feelings in a moment, uh, so you know fair enough. Like you know, uh, it's it's obviously not an easy thing, but at the same time, you know, you've got a job to do. Uh, if we if we were sitting in an office and we felt one way or another about a political situation, there's a march can passed outside the window. Would you refuse to work in the office? You know, uh, so it's. We we don't have that option, and they say you know, and I'm not suggesting like modern players are molly coddled and pandered to, but there is an element of just go on with your job, son. The thing with Abada, John, <clears throat> is when I look at him as a footballer coming in uh, the age that he came in, I, I would have expected the trajectory uh, to result in this season being his big season for us, and uh, when Brendan Rodgers came in, I felt that that was going to add to that belief that this season was going to be the one where he really excelled. It's not, it's not worked out for him um, so far. And even when he's he's come back, obviously I think it's going to take him a while to get back to some kind of sharpness. But the thing with Abada as well, you're talking about the narrative. I, I think that's all joined up because what underneath uh, the Abada situation and, and the speculation we have is the fact that we've bought one player in this transfer window and it's a winger, right? which I've got to say I don't think we needed, right? But hopefully he's a good signing. Um, and then you've got Mikey Johnston could well be on his way to West Bromwich Albion. Rocco Vata comes out from the cold unexpectedly against Bucky Thistle, albeit in a per- perfectly matched game for him because that's his kind of level that he's been playing at this season. And I just think it all adds up to a potential departure for about... I think it's a nonsense that we're talking about alone because, as you say... Patrick, the state of mind is going to be exactly the same if he comes back in six months. I also don't think it's going to add to what you've seen as a natural progression in Abada's career if he was to go and play six months down south or whatever. I don't think that's going to you know, improve him as a player, improve his value. Um, I think for the next six months he'd be better off you know, working under Brendan Rodgers and learning his trade. But I do have a slight concern in that we brought in another winger for a decent fee. Um, and we've introduced or we've reintroduced Rokovata into the squad, and I want to talk about his old man's interview and whether or not you thought that was uh, badly advised, ill-advised, or actually pretty good. I said there was a lot of sense in it yesterday when I commented on it, but it is the, the winger is, is a, a talking point, Patrick, because A, we've got far too many of them, B, we've just added to that list, C, we've got Saeed Haksabarovic coming back, to add to it even further, and D because I'm running out of uh, letters here. I know there's, 20, <laughs> I know there's 26, but I, w- I won't bore you. Um, we've got the Abada situation. So wrapped all, wrapped all up in one discussion, I think there might be some credence to the fact that Abada could be on his way. I, I mean, I think the, the situation with the wingers, I, I don't know how either of you feel about this, but my, my view is that we've got hundreds of them and none of them are any good. Can really? we say millions? Yeah. Millions of wingers. Hi, millions. Uh, it's getting close to that figure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've I thought Haksabanovic was a bit of a player when he first came in. I thought he had a lot of skill. Um, never has really shown any real end product. I mean, the amount of times he has been one on one with a Rangers goalkeeper and put it just past the post. Uh, I mean, it happened about three times in one game. I think he's just not get the final product needed for Celtic. I don't think. Um, 
you know, Maeda does a job, but I mean, is he really the the top level winger that you're really striving for? Personally, not for me. I mean, the amount of times he puts it into Rosette is sort of comical almost. Um, Abada, obviously, you've got a unique situation there. Um, you know, he's, he has struggled with injuries. He's he's not started a lot in the last eighteen months. Um, you know, could could be on his way out. And then guys like Mikey Johnson, James Forrest. I mean, these are two guys. I think they both get eighteen months left. I can't see Forrest moving on. Maybe Mikey Johnson will, but. You know, what are they guys going to contribute in the next 18 months? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I mean, Forrest, it was basically like a retirement deal he got. I mean, he's he's not really done anything since he scored in the League Cup semi-final against St. Johnson two years ago. Um, Mikey Johnson, obviously, he's moved on. Um, another issue, really, with the transfer window, we've not moved on enough players. I mean, yeah. you could easily name... I mean, me and John were struggling to come up with maybe 10, 12 names, but you could easily name five or six players that you need to move on and but, we've not done uh, it no, to, be fair, January, Patrick, to be fair though we both got it down by 10 sorry folks just in case you don't know we're just doing a wee exercise because uh, Kevin Graham uh, mentioned last week about uh, folk running with a squad of 18 uh, and I had said last week when it was mentioned that we'd be able to knock 10 off that list you know, straight away, and then you're arguing over about the last three. And that's pretty much exactly as it's turned out. From a squad of 31 as I had it, you can get a shot at 10 of them. Fairly handy. Uh, although I think Patrick's cheating because he's got no goalies left. Yeah, so. <laughs> but where it, where it does fall down at the end is you, know, you can't really uh, lose any more from the defence. You can't really lose any more from the midfield. But you could lose more up front. But we've got so many inconsistent players. We've got no consistency up front. So yeah. you're scared to cut those bodies because you're thinking well, I mean, he, he only does a job once every couple of games or once every three games. So you're actually looking at the squad. I'd suggest everyone has a go at this. See if you can get it down to 18 because <clears throat> we can get it down to 21 but then you're looking at what, do you let O go? You know, and then you've got Palmer and Maeda and do you let Maeda go? And you know, so it's it's difficult, and it just shows you, for me, the thing it really highlights is we have no consistency up front, and we have only one player of undoubted quality. Uh, and I know that's not where this conversation was going, but it really did highlight the fact that we need more body. You know, the, the need to have all these bodies up front is because Kyogo is the only one you can rely on. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know uh, what that means in terms of you know where we're going in this transfer window because clearly there's a whole load of people there you could, we should be getting shot off. But it's not going to be easy because a lot of them are on very long-term deals. And yeah. we've had that discussion before. It is the, the club are taking all the risk. They're assuming all the risk by handing out these five-year contracts. Uh, and this is what happens if you don't manage that situation properly. These people have to be aggressively moved on if at all possible. You know, I don't think you're allowed to make have them training with a B team or whatever, uh, but they need to be made to move uh, one way or another uh, because we can't be carrying squads of 32 people when it's so easy just to knock off 10 of them and say we don't need those guys at all. Uh, and then the only reason that there's a conversation about the other three uh, is because we've got no quality uh, up front uh, apart from Kyogo. So, yeah, no, it's a difficult one. Uh, and... Um, I mean, you look at 
I mean, that game against Bucky Thistler, sorry, I know you've had lots of conversations about this. And then this thing that really struck me in the first 20 minutes or so was neither Palmer or Abada trying to hit the byline against Highland League defenders. Mm-hmm. And you're like, for the love of God, what are you doing? Go past the man. Yeah. You know, if he had pace, he wouldn't be playing in the Highland League. Get past him. Hit the byline. If you can't hit the byline against those lads. And it took them, like, 25 minutes, half an hour to work it out. And it's just, it, it was, it was, uh, yeah, just fairly illustrative of the issue we have at the moment, as you boys have just pointed out. We've got a ton of wingers and none of them are particularly good. No, you're right. And I think um, we've been speaking about what to do with a squad. It's going to take much more than one transfer window. But even at that, John, I would have expected more departures. I know that, the, you know, at the end of the uh, transfer window, there's a, like a glut of players getting, leaving the club and stuff. I get that. But, you know, there's no planning, is there, in bringing a player like Quonin? I, I said this the other day. Uh, this was not part of the plan six months down the line to loan him out. If that was part of the plan, we would have bought him and loaned him out right off the bat. It's the same with Tilio. If Tilio ends up going back to Australia, then the transfer's failed. If he goes back to Australia on loan, that's because it's no worked. So there's two players that you can almost score off. And I know Quan played well for St Mirren, man of the match in the game. Hope he turns it on when he's playing against Rangers. I, I get all the, the benefits of putting guys out in Scotland, Montgomery, of course, and, and uh, Motherwell. But we've not been doing it aggressively enough. I think that what John says is right. You want all the guys that are not going to be playing in the second half of the season either moved on permanently or put out on loan. Now, as I say, it doesn't have to be a development loan. Get them out and play because otherwise nobody's going to buy them at the end of the season if their contracts extend beyond that because they're not playing football. It's going to be difficult now, Patrick, to get rid of a guy like James McCarthy, not just because of the wages, which are obviously a stumbling block. It's going to be difficult because he's never kicked a ball. You know, he's played for the B team a couple of times. Same with Seagrass, two games. He came to Celtic, he's played two games in 18 months. You know, it's going to be hard to convince anybody there isn't something wrong with his goalie. Uh, go and please take him on. He's only making 15 grand a week. Yeah, it's um, especially difficult when you look at the form that Joe Hart's been in. Um, and, you know, Scott Bain obviously isn't getting a look in either. You know, Hart, he's been a good servant. He's been a decent buy for one million. He's obviously leading in the dressing room. Great character and all that, you know, usual stuff. But it's becoming more and more frequent, the mistakes that he's making. You know, not coming off his line you know, not catching the ball when he can catch the ball. It's it's a it's a situation that should have been resolved six months ago, if not eighteen months ago. And, you know, Benjamin Seagrist and Scott Payne kinda of get into that that position. So it's obviously a, a, a an indictment on their uh, performances and training as well. Um and as you say, it's along with the wages, it's it, it's almost impossible to move these guys on. You're just going to have to bite the bullet and pay these guys off at some stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, John makes a really good point. We're giving these guys long-term deals. You know, it's a good idea if it's a quality player because then you're maximising the money that you bring in. But if you're just going to give it to everyone, then you're actually saying to people, every sign that we make is a quality signing, which obviously isn't true. Definitely isn't true with Mark Lawwell in charge. Um and on the other end of things, you've got a guy like Turnbull who he's on the he's on the the sort of perimeter of the, of the squad. He comes on as a sub. He'll sometimes get a start. Decent footballer, just not good enough for the Celtic first team. Could I get some money from? Could I get maybe six, seven million? And he's going to walk for free at the end of the season, eh, by the looks of things. 
Um, so, and at both ends of the spectrum, we're quite bad at managing the squad. Um, and when you throw in the fact that we're bad at signing players, it doesn't make for a good mix. Um, and right, I think, you know, I, Patrick, I'm not sure about the. Sorry. sorry, I was just I was looking at one of the comments there, and just to your point about the, the goalkeepers, it was Danielle in the comments there, uh, basically saying how embarrassing it was that we couldn't pay play either. There we go, backup keeper against Bucky. And uh, how, how right that is. I mean, that's exactly when you play your backup keepers, isn't it? In the early rounds mm-hmm. of cup competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And neither of them could be played. I mean, what does that say? That's, well, you know, that, that's really shocking. It is. And I said this yesterday, guys, and I would like to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, Jim Monaghan comes in. I think a keeper is our most urgent position. If Hart picks up an injury, we play out the season with Bain. Not good enough if we need to win the league this year. I'll give you in just one scenario. Patrick, I'll start with yourself. We go into the, the last game against Rangers and it's as tight as it is right now. Okay, because let's be honest, it's not going to it's not going to get any easier between now and the end of the season, particularly if we don't bring in the quality. So going into the final game against Rangers in the, this season, let's say that the, the points difference is two points and you get that injury to Hart or to Taylor or to Kyogo and you go into that final game, how confident are you Patrick? How, how confident are you if one of those positions um, needs urgent assistance? Because we, we don't have the quality in the backup, do we? No, it's 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 far from it really and you know, it's, it's not even something that it's probably not something we're prioritising in this window, but probably looking at in the summer. But even at that, it's a year or two late. And as you say, you know, you're one injury away from guys that you blatantly do not trust playing in that position. No. Um, you know, I've got I've got very little confidence in all three of the keepers, if I'm being honest. I think Hart's time was up a year ago. Um and obviously, you know, I've never been a big fan of Scott Bain and there's obviously an issue with Sequist because he was brilliant for Dundee United, but he can't get a sniff. At Celtic, um, and luckily uh, the the fourth derby game is at Celtic Park, so I'd be slightly more confident. Um, you know, I'd like to think that we wouldn't lose the game, but you weaken yourself, you shoot yourself in the foot by not acting. I mean, we've got the money, we know what we need to do, and we just seem unable to do it. We're unable to sign good players. We're unable to move on bad players. We just seem stuck almost, as if things aren't moving. Um, and it's it's really hampering, you know, our, our title charge because we really should be running away with this. I mean, we were running away with it until we dropped all those points. And when you look at the squad of our closest rivals uh, and the way that their manager seems to be feeling the pressure now, we really should be running away with it for the second half of the season. And I hope that we do, but we're we're really not helping ourselves when it comes to squad management, recruitment, uh, transfers, contract lengths. I mean. It does need serious work, and I thought we would at least move on a lot of these guys. But we've known about Kobayashi, Lagabelka, Bernabe, McCarthy. They've been unwanted for months, and we still can't move them on. And, you know, for a lot of these guys, I think they're just going to run down their contracts because I don't see it moving. It's 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 so clear that they're not welcome and they're not going to get played, and yet they're still here. I'm, I'm going to bring this up, and this is not an opportunity for me to try and have a dig at an individual, but it's more of a, a an overview of something that is levied at a Celtic state of mind, and I'm sure other platforms, on a regular. And 
I'm bringing it up, Martin, as I say, it's not a to have a dig at you, but this is an example of it. Massive negativity and moaning today. I don't know if you mean from the panel or from the commenters. Top of the league and never happy. Years and years of winning, but it's not working in an injury crisis on you. I don't think it's as simple as that, Martin. I'm, I'm going to go back to when we didn't win the league under Neil Lennon in his last season when we were going for the 10. On this show, and I can only speak about this show because this is the show I'm focused on, we spoke about that months before the wheels finally came off. Months and months and months before it, because it was as clear to anybody watching what was unfurling in front of your eyes that it wasn't working, and if a change wasn't to happen then, and I'm talking October, then you could have kissed goodbye to 10 in a row. Inevitably, it happened. Everybody's seen it happen. Now, the the you know for me, the, the opposite is what we've got to avoid. If we only sit here happy clap and saying, oh, but look at all the money in the bank and we've won all these league titles and we won a treble last season. You're living in the past. You're becoming complacent. You're thinking it's all going to work itself out and it won't. It absolutely will not work itself out. The squad is completely bloated. We've been inconsistent this season. There's talk of interest in our star player. Uh, none of us three are, are that confident that the board aren't getting excited at that interest. And the carrot at the end of the season is a bigger one than it's ever been. So if you just want to just ignore any kind of issues at the club, then I'm sorry you're becoming complacent. John, you can't ignore it and you can't just label it as being any kind of criticism as being negativity. It's not. It's just being realistic with what we are seeing in front of our eyes here. I've never understood why those people come on these uh, platforms uh, to listen to you know, if you, if you just want, you know, we could come on for a minute and just say, yay Celtic, and uh, that'll be us done. You know, or we can discuss the positives and negatives. We also discuss the positives uh, when when it's relevant to the conversation that we're having. At the moment, uh, in the period that we're in, there are concerns uh, and legitimate concerns. And if you don't want to discuss them or don't want to uh, listen to them, that's fine. Nobody's making you. It's just very odd behaviour to assume that we all have to be happy, clappy behind uh, the board. Otherwise, it's negative. It's not negative. You know, so I, I, I support the team uh, regardless um, and support the players uh, as much as possible um, when they're putting effort in. Uh, and essentially, uh, do we uh, criticise the board uh when we have issues with it, yes, of course we do. Uh, and as to fans of most clubs, I imagine, um, we, we certainly have issues with recruitment. I don't think there's any denying that. I don't really understand what, what the issue is, because oh, all we're doing is talking facts. We're not making anything up. These these are the facts. Mm. So, you know, uh, and you talk about years and years of winning. Uh, yes, we have, and we want to keep on those years of winning, and we want to progress so you, you can't just say, oh, the board want to do nothing except stay one step ahead of Rangers and then in the same breath say, ah, but there's years and years of winning. Yes, that is a fact. But we want to progress. And this year, in particular, our expectations were not managed by the manager coming in, who made it clear that he was here to see his progress in Europe. Uh, and then that just has not emerged at all. Uh, not only did it not emerge, it was no attempt to, to make it, you know, we're signing guys who are not up to that job. So I just don't understand this. You know, I, look, I, I don't, th I think I'm a practical person um, and uh, I don't think I'm, you know, a happy clapper or a bedwetter. I just think I see the situation as it is. I have an opinion on that situation. Um, and, you know, again, I, I, 
But why would you come on here with fake positivity or fake negativity? Either is one thing or the other. You know, so, you know, we, we just, you know, uh, we most people on this platform, in particular this show, um, have pretty balanced opinions and well-reasoned opinions and well thought out. So not going to be happy-clappy for the sake of it just to keep some commenters on YouTube happy. Do you know what I mean? That's just not... Uh, because the other thing is this, because if anyone has been, you know, most of we have some very loyal uh, uh, listeners on here, and most of them would know, it doesn't matter what you say, because someone's going to disagree with you. You know mm. what I mean? So uh, it's we, we get criticised for too, too positive, too negative, and God forbid you have an opinion on a player. <gasps> A couple of weeks ago, John, I was a board apologist. It's like two ends yeah. is better. But what I would say, Patrick, and I've always believed this, particularly when Celtic fans were unhappy with the way the season was going, when we were going for the 10, we were called entitled, we were called spoiled. We were getting all that thrown at us, right, as fans. And I don't buy into that at all. I think what happens is Celtic fans have demands, and the demands are set based on the standards that have been set by teams, managers and, and those in the boardroom previous to that. And that's why we've got success. If you don't have that demand, then you just become another football club that might win the league and might not. We demand that we do. I, and I don't have an issue with that, Patrick. You demand the absolute best so that when you get knocked out the League Cup and uh, you think, right, we can't win the treble. Of course, it's disappointing, but it's not about being entitled or being spoiled if you're unhappy with that and you want to talk about the reasons as to why we didn't win that particular game. It's just that you've got demands. And I'll tell you what, when players come to this football club, I've spoken about the mentality, a lot of them cannot live up to those demands and they don't they don't make it at Celtic. But I'd much rather have the demands, Patrick, than just live off past glories. And by the way, last season was a, was a past glory. We're on to this season now, Patrick, and we've got to concentrate on where we are. And it's not all sweetness and light, there are issues with the recruitment, as John says, there are issues within this transfer window and we've got to discuss some, Patrick, we can't ignore it. No, I mean, you can't live off past success. Um, you know, what is it Jockstein said? You need to build up your own legends. I don't know the quote word by word uh, off the top of my head, but, you know, you need to build up your own legends at Celtic Park and all that. And You can't just sit around and go, it wasn't last season brilliant, we'll just take this season off. You know, we'll just spend five hundred quid in a season ticket, hundred and thirty eight pound in Champions League, uh, another another twenty, forty quid on uh, cup games at home and we'll just not bother our backside. You know, we can't say, Oh, that treble was magic five years ago. You know, you need to you need to be constantly looking towards the future. And, you know, as you rightly point out, that COVID season, people I think people got the impression that we were spoiled because we'd lost a couple of games and we're calling for the manager's head and it's a and it's a disaster. I think that's because, you know, when you're in a title race and both teams are winning all the time, if you drop a couple of points, it does quickly become a disaster. And we were calling for Neil Lennon's head because you could see all season how bad we were playing and only then did we start to drop points. And we never really stopped dropping points for the rest of the season. Um, right up until, you know, John Kennedy's last game against Hibs at Easter Road. Um, you know, from October to May, we just dropped points constantly, couldn't get a string of games together. Um, and you're right, we do have standards. We have standards about how good we play, what the results are, what the, you know, we need to win the league. I think the last Celtic manager to survive winning the league was, uh, not winning the league, sorry, was Neil Lennon. And you've got to admit, he was very lucky to be in a job because you look at the rest of his managerial career. Um, so our, our standards have been set. 
um, you know, with the last 60 odd years that we've been the dominant force in Scotland. And I don't think it's, you know, doom and gloom negativity to come on here and say it's been a poor uh, transfer window. You know, the, the club have stated, the manager has stated, we need several quality players in and we've only brought one player in. They were talking about moving guys on and we haven't moved guys on. So as John says, we're just stating facts. We're unhappy because we know that we can do better. It's not even difficult to do better. It's not like we're trying to reach the moon here. You know, all we're trying to do is move on a few guys who don't play. And, you know, it, it isn't good enough. It's not negative to say it isn't good enough. It isn't good enough. Um, and, you know, as John says, we all have disagreements. Um, we'll often have disagreements on this bulletin. But, you know, that's just the nature of of fan media, of Axon. You know, we're, we're all going to disagree. Not everyone yeah. that watches us is going to agree. But we all want the best for Celtic. And that's not happening at the moment. And uh, that's basically some total of it, isn't it? But again, it is, by the way, uh, Patrick, and it's just a different way of disagreeing. I mean, because travelling through to Celtic games on the supporters' buses from Fife all my life, the disagreements to and from the game was part of the experience. Sitting in around any member of my family's house when the drink was flowing and the music was playing were disagreements. I remember somebody didn't rate Paul McStay, I wouldn't name them, on the supporters' <laughs> bus, right? You can imagine the disagreements. And by the way, it's not a dig at Martin Joe. I said that. I qualified that before I even brought it up. I would never bring somebody up just to try and, and have a dig at them. It's more about this, you know, this sense that you can't criticise a club because you're being negative. You absolutely can. And, and it's essential that you do. Because if you want to meet the standards that have been set before and you want to be a success season on season, it's the only way to do it. Um, and the quote has actually come up as well, Patrick. I'm going to bring it up here. Um, here we go. I'm going to bring it up. Mikey Boy brings up the quote. We don't want to live with history to be compared with legends from the past. We must make new legends. And it's on Mikey's ex-profile, best quote ever. He was brilliant at doing that, wasn't he, Jock Steen? There's so many. You could have a wee, one of the calendars where you tear off the quote a day from Jock Steen just to keep you going. Um, absolutely brilliant. Thanks. Keep bringing the comments in. We're not having a dig at anybody uh, per se. It's more about that situation where you are going to get um, on a Celtic state of mind opinions that are not happy clappy, uh, fully positive, everything's going to be all right, because inevitably they won't be unless you do something about it. Kaiser, you're right. If I did have an in with the board, I'd maybe be allowed to go in and walk around the park. <laughs> um, and by the way, if anybody was looking for the wonder around paradise this week, I decided um, I'm not really built for the bad weather. don't know if you noticed that. And uh, I don't really like the cold and the wind and the wet. So we didn't do it on Monday. A total cop out. Uh, but we did replace the wonder with a very interesting backstage chat with Johan Mialbe. And the first thing you do is you look at how chiselled he is at his age and you start to uh, reevaluate uh, your lifestyle, don't you, when you look at Johan Mialbe and you think to yourself, wow, how does he manage that at his age with a couple of hips being replaced and all that kind of stuff? Anyway, it was a very good insight from Johan. He spoke all about the Barcelona victory in 2012. Go and check it out on the channel. Uh, all our content is free, of course, um, AGS I think it's fair, fair to say, Paul John, though, that uh, you know I'm literally twice the man that Johan Mialbe is. <laughs> John, I look at these things. You know, when I'm, I'm getting into my advanced years, I look at somebody like Johan and I say, how does somebody like that do it? He's about 10 years older than me and he is lean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop rubbing it in. 
I know, right. it's just, I'm rubbing it in myself. Yeah, yeah, it's great, yeah. <laughs> he's old and he's great, he's about the same age as me. Thanks very much, Paul John. He's well, old let, Let's age. move on. He's an inspiration, Let's go, let, let's go back to Martin. Uh, listen, I wanted to bring this up because people think it's my favourite subject on the planet. Listen, I need to discuss it because there's been development since we discussed it yesterday. Uh, in the Rocco Vata's dad did a, a very interesting interview with Off the Ball, the Irish Channel, and um, I thought he was very honest, John, very honest indeed. AGSC talks about, uh, I'll put it out there, why not let Vata compete as our second striker? It's a, a risk, but so is signing someone, mm. though I would take Miofsky. Right, I'm going to put it out there. I think we will sign him up, he will get his new deal, and we will immediately loan him out. That's what I think we'll do with Rocco. Uh, John, what did you make of the interview yesterday? I'm a big fan of Rudy, Rudy Vata. Uh, people know that because it's just cards on the table, full disclosure. But I try when talking about Rocco to be as balanced as possible. I thought Rudy spoke a lot of sense uh, and it answered a few questions. It raised a few questions as well, would be fair, but it did answer a few questions about the situation, think, John. I didn't think it was a good idea, to be honest with you. Do you think the club I, would have I, sanctioned that? Is I, that coming as a wee bit of a, a low no, bowler to the club? I, I don't think the club would have had anything to do with it. And I also don't think it helps that English isn't reduced first language. Uh, so there are things there from that interview that needed clarified for me. Um, because if you take what uh, Rudy was saying along with what the manager was saying. And let's be very clear here, the, the manager, in the, the way that only a, a manager can be, was essentially being very critical of Vata uh, in his comments. Uh, he mentioned his attitude multiple times. And when you compare that with the way that he spoke about the other young fella, it was very clear that he's got a problem with his attitude. And then... You know, and then you've you've got Rudy going on there and talking about me. He can dream and he can do this, and he, you know he wants to. You know, if he wants to move on to, you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid or whatever he wants to move on to, but he's got to do what the manager says. And you're just like, that sounds to me like a fairly um, fatal combination of lofty ambition and lack of application. Uh, so I, I think, you know, to me anyway. Uh, I think that interview was a mistake because it sounds like the boy's a dreamer uh, and it sounds like he's not, you know, from what the manager was saying, it sounds like he's not putting the work in. So, you know, and that's that's as about as explicit as Brendan has ever got um, in terms of, you know, his thoughts on a player. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do, etc., etc. Um, you know, if I was hearing that from my manager, I'd, I'd shut my mouth and get my head down and go on with my job. Uh, and... I think he really needs to knuckle down. If he gets another deal with the club, I think that's his best option because if that's his attitude, he's going to go elsewhere and disappear fast. Uh, and I, I think uh, he really, you know, we, we can only go on the comments that have been made. So his dad, I think, gave away a bit of his mentality and the manager uh, gave away quite a lot about his attitude uh, in terms of his application. So... Uh, I don't think it's a good combination. Uh, I think he'll be lucky to get another deal with the club. And if he does, I think that's his best option. It's one of the ones, there's a bit of ambiguity, uh, like John said, about what what Rudy says. It must be a, a nightmare, Patrick, right? Because it's like the club obviously uh, wouldn't have sanctioned it. Um, and then Rudy can say what he likes. He's not He's not Rocco's agent. You know, but he's given his opinions. But then people are going to look at every nuance of what, what Rudy said. On the one hand, he dreams to play for one of the top clubs in Europe. 
uh, and on the other hand, even when the manager's wrong, he's right. Ah, you're right, but you shouldn't even think about the, the manager being wrong. You're 18 years of age. You do what you're told. If you get a wee sniff at the first team, you apply yourself as well as you possibly can. I think the best thing for the club right now would be get the guy signed up and then loan him out and put him out there and get him some game time in those legs. It's, it's a better standard of team and league than the lowland, Patrick. And then, you know, the proof's in the pudding at that stage, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think I think attitude um, is probably the issue. I mean, obviously, I don't know the guy. We, we, we don't know what he's like in his personal life or in training or anything like that. But, you know, I heard uh, Rogers' comments on, I think it was BBC Scotland after the Bucky Thistle game. And, you know, it's, it's what John's saying. He was very complimentary of Daniel Kelly. But he was saying, you know, if he works hard, there is a structure here for Rocco to succeed which the indication being he's not working hard at the moment, you know, yeah. and he can go elsewhere if he likes, but if he's got that same attitude, then it's obviously not going to happen. Um, he might think, oh, I'm at Celtic, I'm doing brilliant and I don't need to work hard and I can succeed elsewhere, but if you go elsewhere and you don't work hard, you won't succeed there either. I mean, just look at Kevin Mokodembele, the guy had the world at his feet, um, left because he wasn't happy with his game time and now he's not getting game time because he's not good enough and this was meant to be one of the best uh, youngsters in the world um, yeah. you know I'm sure there are other people you know uh, who have came to the Celtic youth system who are they they think that they're doing really well they've been at Celtic for ages they're, they're absolutely brilliant they've been told that they're brilliant from a very young age and then you know you end up with a guy like Mikey Johnson who's almost 25 and you know he's he's done absolutely nothing with his career he had a, he had a wee purple patch where he scored a few goals for Celtic and all of a sudden he's 25 and you know, he, he's done next to nothing. It's four last chance saloons in a row uh, for Mikey Johnson. And I'm not saying he's, you know, full of himself or whatever, but, you know, I think if, if these guys don't knuckle down and, and and don't give their absolute best, and they're, they're not going to make it at Celtic, never mind Real Madrid or Barcelona. Uh, and I think it is a, it's a bit of a fatal combination, as John says, when you've got big dreams but no work ethic, because you're going to get nowhere fast. Yeah, there's a couple of things I'm going to chip in there. Um You've mentioned Dembele. Dembele was, he was that wonder kid, wasn't he? Make his, made his debut at 16, played in Europe. Uh, everybody just thought that progress would happen and it didn't. And there is no guarantee, Patrick, you, you know, the, the ability is part of it. You need luck as well and you need the attitude and the application, which is massive. And I remember, I mean, I keep saying this because people say, you know, youth development, um, pace for itself, et cetera, et cetera. But John and I, we had a, a massive conversation last year about it. Uh, and there are deep concerns, you know, about it. There was a scenario I'm going to share with you, actually. And this was quite a few years ago. And believe it or not, it was uh, through uh, writing my book that I wrote 11 years ago now it was released. Um, I've got a contact in Rick Davidson, who was in America, used to play for Celtic. And he contacted us and said, I've got this youngster who I have never seen a player with this level of potential and I have never seen him in my life, a player of this potential. Bear in mind, Vic Davidson came through with Kenny Dalglish. So he, can, he played with a few decent players. And um, can you get him in at Celtic? Because I'm a wee bit like Kaiser there. If I had an in at Celtic, I'd be walking about the place uh, rather than outside. Uh, I probably wouldn't, actually. I quite enjoy the wonder. However, I did manage, believe it or not, uh, managed, th this is true, right, a true story, through a contact of mine, to get the young guy a trial with Celtic, believe it or not. And I think the big thing was, it was Vic Davidson, former Celtic player. They paid to get the kid over. 
because Vic's in Oregon, right? Paid to get him over, John. Two-week trial. They had him living in a purple palace, one of the premier inns near to the ground, right? And uh, the kid, he, he, I don't know, 15, 16 years of age, I'm looking at him thinking to myself, I couldn't have done that at that age. I could not have flown to the other side of the world and done what this boy's doing. But I went through and seen him a couple of times at night because he was a bit bored and all that. And he was talking about the team that he was training with, right? The, the actual Celtic team that he was training with. And the, the, the guy at the heart of the academy at that point was Tommy McIntyre, who's now at Queen's Park. And he, he was talking about the players. And the only one, actually, Kelleher was in that team, whose brother plays in goals for Liverpool, who we might be interested in. And Jack Aitchison was in that team. But, you know, not one of them made it at Celtic. Not one of that group of players made it at Celtic. And you've seen them going about as if they were professional footballers. Like they yeah, had well, made it, John. You've seen it. That every nuance of their, their being was, I'm a professional footballer and I play with Celtic. Not yeah. one of them made it. Not well, one of them made it. Can I, can I just add to that? And I think everyone's got a story like this. Um, my brother was an athlete, but he did briefly play for uh, Celtic Boys Club. And in that Celtic Boys Club team, there were some absolutely fantastic players. You watch the team, uh, you know, these guys that stood out Country Miley stood out and they were absolutely sensational. The only one of them that went on to play professionally was Chris McCart, uh, and who was just like the pretty much the least talented guy on the pitch uh, at that point. And it's all, you know, again, there's a certain level. You need to have certain physical attributes, right? Uh, you, you need to have, um, be blessed with the genetics. That's a start. Uh, but there's plenty of guys that are. But what it takes, especially in the modern game, what it takes to be a, a pro player at a high level is a level of discipline that most people are just not capable of. No. Uh, and I know I wouldn't be. Uh, I, you know, the, the discipline you need is really sensational in terms of, you know, it's it's just levels most of us can't dream of in terms of you know the sacrifices you have to make. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know your social life is uh, is just non-existent. Uh, you're you know you can't eat what you want, drink what you want. You, can, you just can't do anything like that. Your entire life is dominated by football, and you have to love it. You have to love every bit of it because if you don't love the hard bits, you're never going to make it. 24-7 thing, isn't it? I found it interesting, Matt Riley was talking about um, it was a mentality shift and that is why he has performed so well this season. He spoke about having a coach, like a life coach, who's based in India and he speaks to him about getting into the right frame of mind. I was just waiting for him to say state of mind, but he didn't. Um, but it just shows you, John, it is, it's 24-7 where you're tuned in up here. Every single thing you put in your body has to be geared towards being that athlete that you were talking about. Um, and yeah, you know, groups and groups of players and all their peers, and not one of them made it from that group of players. And that happens a lot, not just at Celtic, right across Europe, right across the globe. So when you get one player, and we're talking about VAR, who seems to be a standout, you want him to do well, whether he does or not, we shall wait and see. But I think, personally, sign him up and then loan him out, and then he's still your player, you know? Get him on a, a deal and loan him out, get him some game time. Listen, thank you all for your comments. Martin, thank you for your comment. It gives us a lot to talk about when uh, you come in with your point of view on all things Celtic. Well over a thousand live this Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully by this time tomorrow, there will be some movement in and out of the club and hopefully anybody that leaves 
isn't Carter Vickers or Bado or O'Reilly. <laughs> Thanks, every single one of you. Thank you to Patrick. Uh, I was going to call you Maguire. That's my cousin. <laughs> Patrick McGilp and John Hughes for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Hell, hell. Podcast Network.